Letter seven of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Sir Alexander Duff Gordon, Thebes, February eleventh, eighteen sixty three. Dearest Alec, on arriving here last night, I found one letter from you, dated December ten, and I have received nothing else. Pray write again forthwith to Cairo, where I hope to stay some weeks. A clever old dragoman I met at Philae offers to lend me furniture for a lodging or a tent for the desert, and when I hesitated he said he was very well off, and it was not his business to sell things, but only to be paid for his services by rich people, and that if I did not accept it as he meant it he should be quite hurt. This is what I have met with from everything Arab, nothing but kindness and politeness. I shall say farewell to Egypt with real feeling. Among other things, it will be quite a pang to part with Omar, who has been my shadow all this time, and for whom I have quite an affection. He is so thoroughly good and amiable. I am really much better, I hope and believe, though only within the last week or two. We have had the coldest winter ever known in Nubia, such bitter north-east winds, but when the wind by great favor did not blow, the weather was heavenly. If the millennium really does come, I shall take a good bit of mine on the Nile. At Aswan I had been strolling about in that most poetically melancholy spot, the granite quarry of old Egypt and burial place of Muslim martyrs, and as I came homewards along the bank a party of slave merchants, who had just loaded their goods for Senar from the boat on the camels, asked me to dinner, and oh, how delicious it felt to sit on a mat among the camels and strange bales of goods, and eat the tough hot bread— sour milk and dates, offered with such stately courtesy. We got quite intimate over our leather cup of sherbet, brown sugar and water, and the handsome jet-black men, with features as beautiful as those of the young Bacchus, described the distant lands in a way which would have charmed Herodotus. They proposed to me to join them, they had food enough, and Omar and I were equally inclined to go. It is of no use to talk of the ruins, everybody has said, I suppose, all that can be said, but Philae surpassed my expectations. No wonder the Arab legends of Anzel Wogud are so romantic, and Abu Simbel, and many more. The scribbling of names is quite infamous. Beautiful paintings are defaced by Tomkins and Hobson, but worst of all Prince Puckler Muscow has engraved his and Ordenskruz in huge letters on the naked breast of that august and pathetic giant who sits at Abu Simbel. I wish some one would kick him for his profanity. I have eaten many odd things with odd people in queer places, dined in a respectable Nubian family, the castor oil was trying, been to a Nubian wedding, such a dance I saw made friends with a man much looked up to in this place, Kalabshi, notorious for cutting throats, inasmuch as he had killed several intrusive tax-gatherers and recruiting officers. He was very gentlemanly and kind, and carried me up a place so steep I could not have reached it. Just below the cataract, by the by, going up is nothing but noise and shouting, but coming down is fine fun, Fantasia Katir, as my excellent little Nubian pilot said. My sailors all prayed away manfully and were horribly frightened. I confess my pulse quickened, but I don't think it was fear. Well, below the cataract I stopped for a religious fete, and went to a holy tomb with the Darwish, so extraordinarily handsome and graceful, the true Fengamot noble Bedouin type. He took care of me through the crowd, who had never seen a Frank woman before and crowded fearfully, and pushed the true believers unmercifully to make way for me. He was particularly pleased at my not being afraid of Arabs. 
I laughed, and asked if he was afraid of us. Oh, no, he would like to come to England. When there he would work to eat and drink, and then sit and sleep in the church. I was positively ashamed to tell my religious friends that with us the house of God is not the house of the poor stranger. I asked him to eat with me, but he was holding a preliminary Ramadan, it begins next week, and could not. But he brought his handsome sister, who was richly dressed, and begged me to visit him and eat of his bread, cheese, and milk. Such is the treatment one finds if one leaves the high road and the bakshish hunting parasites. There are plenty of gentlemen, barefooted and clad in a shirt and cloak, ready to pay attentions, which you may return with a civil look and a greeting. And if you offer a cup of coffee and a seat on the floor, you give great pleasure, still more if you eat the dura and dates, or bread and sour milk, with an appetite. At Kom Ambo we met a Rife Darwish with his basket of tamed snakes. After a little talk he proposed to initiate me, and so we sat down and held hands like people marrying. Omar sat behind me and repeated the words as my wakil, then the Rife twisted a cobra round our joined hands and requested me to spit on it. He did the same, and I was pronounced safe and enveloped in snakes. My soldiers groaned, and Omar shuddered as the snakes put out their tongues. The Darwish and I smiled at each other like Roman augurs. I need not say the creatures were toothless. It is worth going to Nubia to see the girls. Up to twelve or thirteen they are neatly dressed in a bead necklace and a leather fringe four inches wide round the loins, and anything so absolutely perfect as their shapes or so sweetly innocent as their look can't be conceived. My pilot's little girl came in the dress mentioned before, carrying a present of cooked fish on her head and some fresh eggs. She was four years old and so clug. I gave her a captain's biscuit and some figs, and the little pet sat with her little legs tucked under her, and ate it so manierlich and was so long over it, and wrapped up some more white biscuit to take home in a little rag of a veil so carefully. I longed to steal her, she was such a darling. Two beautiful young Nubian women visited me in my boat, with hair and little plates, finished off with lumps of yellow clay, burnished like golden tags, soft, deep bronze skins, and lips and eyes fit for Isis and Hathor. Their very dress and ornaments were the same as those represented in the tombs, and I felt inclined to ask them how many thousand years old they were. In their house I sat on an ancient Egyptian couch, with the semicircular headrest, and drank out of crockery which looked antique, and they brought a present of dates in a basket, such as you may see in the British Museum. They are dressed in drapery like Greek statues, and are as perfect, but have hard, bold faces, and though far handsomer, lack the charm of the Arab women, and the men, except at Kalabshi and those from far up the country, are not such gentlemen as the Arabs. Everyone is cursing the French here, Forty thousand men always work at the Suez Canal at starvation point, does not endear them to the Arabs. There is great excitement as to what the new Pasha will do. If he ceases to give forced labor, the canal, I suppose, must be given up. Well, I must leave off and send my letter to Mustafa Aga to forward. I shall stay here ten days or so, and then return slowly to Cairo on March 10th, the last day of Ramadan. I will stay a short time at Cairo, and then take a small boat and drop down to Alexandria and see Janet. How I did wish for my darling Rainy to play with Achmet in the boat, and see the pretty Nubian boys and girls. I have seen and heard so much, that like Monsieur de Conti, je voudrais être levé pour l'aller dire. I long to bore you with travellers' tales. Pray write soon. 
Omar wanted to hear all that the gentlemen said about Walid and Bint, boy and girl, and was quite delighted to hear of Maurice's good report at school. He thinks that the Abu al-Walad, father of the children, you, to wit, will send a sheep to the fique who teaches him. I have learned a new code of propriety altogether. Cela a du, bon et du mauvais, like ours. When I said, my husband, Omar blushed and gently corrected me. When my donkey fell in the streets, he cried with vexation, and on my mentioning the fall to Hakekian Bay, he was quite indignant. Why you say it, ma'am, that shame? A faux pas, in fact. On the other hand, they mention all that belongs to the production of children with perfect satisfaction and pleasure. A very pleasing, modest, and handsome Nubian young woman, wishing to give me the best present she could think of, brought me a mat of her own making, and which had been her marriage bed. It was a gift both friendly and honorable, and I treasure it accordingly. Omar gave me a description of his own marriage, appealed to my sympathy about the distress of absence from his wife. I intimated that English people were not accustomed to some words, and might be shocked, on which he said, Of course I not speak of my harem to English gentlemen, but to good lady can speak it. Good-bye, dear Alec. No, that is improper. I must say, O oh, my lord, or Abu Maurice. End of letter 7 Read by Sabella Denton All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.